In this week's episode, we're celebrating Mother's Day with some great recommendations. Some to make you think, some to make you laugh, and some to creep you out. There's something for every mama. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Hi, welcome back to Cover B. Happy Mother's Day in advance. Yes. For all the mothers. Now T, I don't know if you knew this. Okay. But my mom. Uh Uh-huh. Who listens to the show regularly? Uh huh. Is actually an avid Morse code hobbyist. Um, she loves Morse code. I don't know what it is. So I told her we would okay. do this entire episode in Morse code. So here we go. Oh my god. Um, dot 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 dash dot 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 dash dot dot dash dash dash. Are you not feeling this? Oh God! Are you not buckle in, folks? <laughs> she uh. For the next three and a half hours, you are going to <laughs> listen to my homage oh. to my mother. My mom doesn't care about Morse code. Well, I was about to say that's not really fair because my mom's really into binary. So I guess you can talk in dots and dashes, <laughs> and I'm going to explicitly be zero zero one zero one one zero 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 one one. Welcome back to our podcast. Dot dashes ones and zeros. <laughs> um, where we talk about all things Morse code and binary. <laughs> also, happy Mother's Day to all the mamas. This is this is an audible production. Um, <laughs> it's not. We're not. We're not, on we're not that cool. Are we on, we're not on audible. I don't think so. I mean, it'd be neat if we were, but I don't. I'll ask our publicist. T, are we on? Is <laughs> <laughs> it to be like me? <laughs> So happy Mother's Day weekend, everybody. We uh, are going to talk about comics, the thing that all mamas love. <laughs> there didn't need to be a bunch of silence there. <laughs> I I was trying to think if I knew. I know. I know, like, I personally know, like, one mama that cares about comics. My mama doesn't care about comics. My mama cares about me. So I think my mama listens because she cares about me, but I don't know that she even knows what we're talking about. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. If you could suggest a comic to your mom right now, what, what comic would you suggest to her? I would actually suggest to her. So my mom is currently getting her doctorate um, in leadership and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I would actually recommend for her a title called Infidel, which is actually written by the same author as one of the books we're going to be talking about today. <gasps> Crazy tie-in. Wha-pa! Nice. Um, <laughs> I, uh, let's see. My mom would probably want something a bit more light. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to suggest Crossed. <laughs> Maybe Uber. Um, oh jeez, Louise. Um, yeah. Ultra Mega is a recent one. That one's kind of light. Uh... Oh no, no. If your you're listening, mom... mom. I love you. Don't read those books. If anyway. you're if you're listening, Chris's mom, just go get Howard the Duck. It's a great book. <laughs> Moving on to suggestions out there for everybody. Uh, we're gonna kick it off with a, another Colin Bun one shot from Aftershock. Yes, Eden. Uh, Colin Bunn has released uh, another magazine-sized one-shot that we talked about on a previous episode, so go find that. Uh, this is a new one. 
I like what they're doing with these. This one focuses on a lonely, downtrodden, kind of sad tattoo artist as a mysterious woman walks into his life, um, and he slowly uncovers that the tattoos he is giving her are becoming more than what he bargained mm-hmm. for. T, what do you think? I love this book. Um, as you all know, I love the horror books that lean into the body horror, and this one gets ooky. <laughs> this one gets like gruesome and oof and ugh, and makes you gotta get all skin tangly, and it's great. It's yeah. absolutely very well done. I think my favorite part about this book um, is that it's a very linear progression. You kind of know what's coming from page to page. You kind of have a feel for what's happening. But what's well done about this book is that it doesn't feel too short or too long. It's probably the most well-paced book I've read in a really long time. Um, it feels exactly like you're watching an episode of like creep show or or tales from the crypt like you kind of have an idea you get a vibe for what's going on you you know they lay out the reveals in a very clean way and by the end you're like i know what's coming but you're not in it to be like twist or surprise you're Mm. in it to see how they do it because sometimes i feel like there's a different there's two types of horror there's the m night shalama ding dong side where you're expecting what a twist and you want it to like completely knock your block off. You don't want to see it coming. You want to be fully unprepared for the last like 15 minutes of whatever you're watching. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other type of horror, the more like the more like evil dead type horror. Okay. The more Sam Raimi horror where the story is not necessarily revolutionary or breaking any bounds but what you're really in it is to see how they do it to see how gruesome how much they push it how how weird it gets how Mm -hmm. intense they're gonna depict this on the page and that's what this one was this was the one where you're like i kind of know what's coming but how are you gonna do it and it's done very well yeah it uh i like that you mentioned uh you know, like Tales from the Crypt and those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, those anthology shows. Because we talked about piecemeal, like I said, uh, the other prestige format, magazine-sized, beautiful Aftershock one-shot that Colin Bunn did um, a few months back when it came out. And we talked about how it felt very reminiscent of, like, the darker indie horror movies that you and I watch a lot. Yep. This one felt very much like watching an episode of, you know... Uh, Tales from the Crypt or The Outer Limits or, you know, an anthology movie like Creepshow or uh, Tales from the Dark Side. And Tales from the Dark Side I wanted to bring up specifically because this one really reminded me of one of my favorite short... I guess you could call it a short film even though it's a piece of, like, a larger anthology. Right. But it by itself would act as sort of a sort of a short film, which is from Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, okay. Um, and it's the gargoyle story. It's a story about a man who meets a beautiful woman and has relations with her. And she's like, or one day he, okay, so one day this man meets a gargoyle. He's like, ah, gargoyle! And it's like this horrible beast. Yeah. And it's like, you can never tell anyone about me. And then, and this is total spoilers for uh, this. 
So nobody comes into this show up, not you, expecting to not be spoiled on something. Even if it's spoiled for you, go see it. If you want to go hunt it down, I don't know where if it's streaming anywhere, but I might try to find it because it's been a while since I've seen it. But Tales from the Dark Side is an older horror anthology. It's a good one. Very, 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 very good. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where doesn't uh Blondie play a witch in that one? Oh, maybe. And, like, the whole, like, the frame story is her, like, <laughs> trying, like, cooking a kid, and the kid's, like, delaying her by telling her stories. I think, like yeah, it is. It's definitely Debbie yeah. Harry. It's okay. also got Christian Slater in it. Yeah. Um, he's the one in the Gargoyle one, I think. Yeah, it's, so, so it's free on Pluto TV, whatever yeah, that is. Um, but it's also available with a Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime subscription. Okay. So yeah, Artist Guy is, I think, played by Christian Slater, but I might be off. It's been a while since I've seen it. But uh, is living his life, sees a gargoyle. Ah, it's super scary, and it's great creature effects. They do a really, really good job with the gargoyle. Very true. And the gargoyle is like, you must never tell anyone about me, or I'll come back and reap a horrible price. And he's like, yes, Mr. Gargoyle. Anyway, flash forward, he's not telling his friends what's going on with him. I think there might be something in the middle of him doing, like, art of this gargoyle and people being like, whoa, oh, my God, your art's so good and stuff like that. Yeah. And then eventually he meets this, like, lovely woman and he falls in love with her. And then one day in a moment of, like, trust and passion, he tells her about this gargoyle. And then she's like, no, why would you do that? Why would you tell? And it turns out she was the gargoyle and she reaps a horrible price. Um, <laughs> this book felt like that. Yeah. In that it's got the it's got a lot of those same elements. It feels just like ripped from the TV screen of one of these like smaller horror anthologies. Yeah. Um and it it got has that same kind of vibe. It's about love and loss and being sad and lonely and you know, a mysterious person and it's like what cost would you take, you know, what would you risk and stuff yep. like that for the people you love and like it, it's it's very good. It's very very well paced and very well done. Um, it's got some, I mean, there's some suspension of dis disbelief, basically to not spoil too much. Mysterious woman comes in and is like, freehand a tattoo on me, big boy. And this guy's like, yeah, sure. Fine. And he freehands a tattoo and then she leaves and all his friends in the parlor are like, bro, get her number, get her number, bro. And then he's like, well, maybe she'll come back. And then she comes back, and he's like, cool, we're doing a new tattoo. And he notices that the tattoo he did the first time was gone. <gasps> Shocker. And that's honestly the biggest suspicion, like, suspension of disbelief that I had to do. Because it was only, like, a few weeks later. And I feel like a tattoo artist, if they did, like, a freehand tattoo, and some person came in and was like, cool, give me another freehand tattoo. And he, like, looks, and they got the other one removed. Because he keeps just being like, why would you get this one removed? And stuff. And like, okay, you're weird. I feel like tattoo artists would be like, no. No, I'm not doing I'm this. I'm not doing a free hand. You're lucky I'm doing anything else. And then if they came back again and that one was removed, he'd be like, no. No way in hell. I'm not doing this <laughs> you can't keep doing this to your body. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to spend my time and energy yeah, giving exactly. you this tattoo yeah. so for you to it, remove uh, it. Yeah. So I had to suspend a little bit there. But... Otherwise, at the core of it is a story about a man struggling with loss yep. and a man struggling with hope and a weird bit mm -hmm. of strange body horror and magic somewhere mixed in in the middle. If this had a tag, it would be, would you give up your future to have back your past? Yeah. That would, be, like the, that would be the tag if this one had like 
a movie poster. Like yep. those old school cheesy ones. I feel like movie posters don't happen as much anymore because they're just online. <laughs> movie posters now are just like Facebook posts. Mm. <laughs> Poor art. <laughs> I think this one's tagline would be... <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to think of a pun with the word tat and so admittedly my brain was like this is a good enough one to say to the people and now that i'm knee deep in it i'm like oh no but anyway i was going to say it would be when good ink attacks <laughs> it's like when you go to the beach and you're like Oh, man, look at how crisp and nice the water looks. And then you step into it, and there's seaweed everywhere. And you're like, aw. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely got, like, cut myself on a sharp shell there. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got seaweed in my brand new comedy trunks. Um, <laughs> it was a good try. It was, it was a good it try. Don't patronize me it was not a good try i mean it I wasn't that was bad well. but it was it was fine uh, i got a good chuckle out of it but that said eden very very good very good there is some play on the name uh both the name of the book and the titular character eden uh on the importance of that name uh but it's uh whew, it's, it's good. good and it's got some real nice body horror oh yes right at the end uh next up we are going to talk about The Good Asian. Uh, this is by Pornsack Pisachote, uh, with art by Alexandra Tefinki. Now, Pornsack, if I mispronounce your last name, I want you to know I'm very bad at names, and yep. I spent like 45 minutes looking up you saying your own last name on YouTube. <laughs> And now that I'm here, my anxiety is driving me so deep that I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Oh, no. And that I don't actually remember how to pronounce it. That I'm sorry. Just know I gave it a college <laughs> try. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know how to pronounce his name because I don't want to pronounce it wrong. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, it's not how you pronounce it. You forgot. Dumbass. You, you did great. <laughs> I'm sure it's perfect. And it... P-Money. I... Uh... <laughs> If you're out there, bro, I love your work. It's true. I just want you to be my friend. Remember that um, book I mentioned before that I recommended my mom? Yes. Uh, that exactly. was that. And uh -huh. we, we recently watched the episodes of Two Sentence Horror Stories that you did. So yeah. They were very good. Um, I don't know why I'm talking directly to you like you're listening to this, but I like to have hope <laughs> in things. Isn't that right, Chip Zdarsky? Call me. Um, <laughs> anyway. The Good Asian by my homie Pornsack um, and my other homie Alexandra. Uh, this story is a noir set in 1936 San Francisco um, featuring a man named Eddie Hark. Mm -hmm. uh, he is a detective from Honolulu who is searching for a missing woman. Now, the thing about Eddie is that he is also of Chinese descent. During a time when the U.S. was knees deep in a immigration ban of Chinese individuals, Asian individuals, Arab individuals. It was not a pretty time no. in American history. No, Weird that we have so many of those. Um, 
<laughs> not to get political or anything, but <laughs> tell me yep. I'm wrong. Uh, the cool thing about this book, and I'll get into that, is that it dives into a bit of history that isn't super talked about all the time. Yeah. And I'll cover that in a second when I talk. But uh, the thing about Eddie's journey and what makes this book interesting is that it's a your typical noir book set in a very noir setting with very noir visuals. Uh, but the detective has to be a lot more careful and a lot more precise than a lot of our noir and protagonists tend to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's even juxtaposed against kind of one of your more typical like rough and tumble like I'm gonna beat it out of you kind of noir characters and our main character is is approaching this mystery and approaching this world the best he can while basically walking on eggshells yeah T what'd you think I thought this book was fantastic I thought this book was fantastic I love that we get another foray into discussing racism Mm -hmm. in a clever nuanced way um that was one of my favorite parts about infidel is the fact that infidel very cleverly very relatably approached racism and made it absolutely undeniable and that's yeah it's necessary it's it's absolutely necessary because despite everything there are still people who deny it um this book I, I think my favorite part is kind of what you said, is that he is often put next to, our main characters put next to the very standard trope of a, you know, noir detective. And what's so interesting is that in all other contexts, the noir detective is doing what he has to do and, you know, beats up the bad guys and does the stuff. But when put in a, in a very... Um, in a much more realistic setting where you're contracted with real life problems, the the negative noir detective is it's kind of heinous, you know? Like mm-hmm. there's no there's no nuance to a noir detective like that. There's no um there's n- no leaning into morality. It's just whatever needs to be done right now to get whatever I need right now. And that has some real parallels to what's going on in our real life right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so cool because, you know, like we're going through a lot of stuff politically right now and you don't necessarily think about how in a lot of circumstances, the noir detective is just a cop. Yeah. It's just a cop. And he never looks more like a cop than in this certain scenario. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and get this out there and it's important that people who have these sorts of experiences uh share them and let the world know that this is this is true. I am a white man. Uh I went to most of my schooling in predominantly white areas. Yep. Um I my high school particularly was very white in very suburban area around Atlanta. Um, I never knew about the, never was taught in school about the uh, immigration embargo. Mm -mm. I was never taught that. Me neither. I was never taught that there was a point 
I learned it later in life on my own, having heard about it in something and researching it. I do not recall ever having a history class. And it might just be that I'm a bad student. Who knows? But <laughs> I do not recall ever having a history class that taught me that. There were, there were things that we learned in school that, uh, and again, this is my experience, uh, so I can't speak for everybody, uh, but it's good to know, I mean, not good to know, but it, it's good to get out there that this is how it is. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I was not taught this. No. There were a lot of things I learned uh, later on in life that were horrible tra like travesties in American history that I had to learn on my own yeah. and experience on my own uh, that weren't taught to me. We learned about, you know, slavery. Obviously we learned about the civil rights movement, at least the highlights. We learned yeah. about the trail of tears, things like that. But aside from, I guess I don't want to say like, they're not more important. All of it is important to know, but I guess the more popularized, like the more like, even propagandized by the people at large uh, sort of things. I never learned about a lot of the other things. We, you know? in our school, in our school system, we were taught a linear progression of history that does not exist. Yeah. We were taught, here's a circumstance that was bad. Here's how it started to get better. And by this point, everything's great again. Mm -hmm. Like... You know, you're taught slavery, and then you're taught the, you know, Emancipation Proclamation, and then you're taught the Civil Rights Movement, and that's it. And then everything's and, supposed to be great. Yeah. That we don't learn anything in between. And I think, you know, putting that, having that perspective is necessary to understanding why there are people out there that don't believe systemic <laughs> racism is a thing. Yep. Why there are people out there that don't think growing up non-white in america is as bad as people say it is yeah and as bad as it actually, actually is. is um having that knowledge that there are entire education structures that omit information because they don't deem it important enough to driving home the point uh is important and i think growing from that Things like this book, things like uh, The Watchman Show, mm -hmm. things like uh, Lovecraft Country. Yes. Storytelling that uses these scenarios and treats them as fact. Says, <laughs> yeah. this happened. And while they, you know, they'll show it and they'll show that it's bad and they'll show that it's terrible. They don't try to heavy hand it. It's just fact. Yeah. This is, this happened. It would be like setting an episode of something adjacent in France in the 40s. Yeah. You know, adjacent to the war. It happened. That's just It's just a literal is. iteration. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think storytelling like this, where it's, it's not the main story, but it's the world that the main character has to navigate. Yeah. Is a good way, is a great way of getting that sentiment embedded in people's narrative yeah um making that feel real to people yeah and not just oh you know look i'm trying to you know n not giving them a leg 
not giving them a room to fill it with, you know, oh, well, you're just trying to tell me I'm racist because I'm white and stuff yeah. like that. Like those kind of arguments, not leaving room for that. Yeah. Because the story itself is draped in this environment because that's what it was. Yeah. That's how it was, you know? Um, and I think it's very important that we support and praise things that are willing to look at that. I agree. You know? I agree. Um, and, you know, everything I called out, Lovecraft Country, uh, The Watchmen Show, which has a lot of focus on things that actually went down. Um, those sorts of things, very important to keep in the public eye and support. And I think this is this does a fantastic job of setting up that world. Yep. In addition, it does a fantastic job of telling a unique noir. You know? Yeah. So many noirs can just feel old hat. You know, we we talk a lot about noir and neo-noir and crime books and things like that because we're, like, way into Ed Brubaker's <laughs> Just admittedly, way into them. And Brubaker does a really creative job of handling his his stories by having them meet the beats of different, you know, noir requirements like you know flashing back in time and you know the grittiness of it and the themes and the tone um and yada 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 we won't go into a full film study of noir but um but he usually finds some uniqueness either in like the personality of the character like reckless or the overall theme if we're looking at something like fatal or uh killer be killed right um to keep it unique enough to make it stand out. Uh, but for the most part, like, if you're getting into a noir, you kind of know what to, what to expect. You know what I mean? You kind of can expect what the character's going to be like. And what I love about what's happening in The Good Asian is, like I said, he's having to be so guarded. He's very astute. He's very, like, aware of the world around him. Like, his whole thing, his whole superpower as it were it's not actually a superpower but you know protagonists have to have something that they excel at right, right. to carry the story um or something that makes them different uh eddie's whole thing is that he's very aware of details yeah. to the extent that when we meet him he's drawing a kid he's doing a drawing of a kid in a camp uh from memory with his eyes closed yeah and he like nails it so he's very aware of details and there's they do a really great job in the artwork kind of showing you him notice things and letting you pick it up. And this flashes back to our graphic novelties, uh, which hasn't released no, has released yet? Did we release yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Which has released. Go check it out, cover podcast. <laughs> um for Reckless, where I was talking about I really like stories like this where we get to see the person put in the work. Yeah. And we get to see Eddie put in the work. We get to see him move his body certain ways to, you know, be prepared for different things we get to see him notice different details and kind of piece things together with him uh and that's just a really nice touch um and while he meets certain beats and kind of like expectations like there's one part where he notices a bunch of like a couple of couple of dames uh couple of fine dames and he uh is like whoa that's my weakness (laughs) like Oh, is it hot in here? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, he's got his vices. He's got his weaknesses. Um, 
but he's very unique in a lot of other ways. Yeah. And in his motivations and in his relations with his family <laughs> and his connections to people. And then just, like I said, his connection to the world makes him this super new, super unique noir protagonist that I think we're going to get some really cool stories out of. I agree. What I love about this is that uh, they've left it open for more. Like, this is the good Asian and Eddie Hark story. And I would love to see them do a full line of this. Like, yeah. Just pound out tons of this stuff. Uh, Porn Sacks writing is just so good. And I'm excited. Me too. To see it keep going. This, this was, one's really cool. This was really solid. This was a very, very good read, and I'm super invested in the character right off the bat. So uh, definitely check this one out. And then finally, something I never thought <laughs> would happen. I'm not surprised. It's not the first time we've talked about Red Sonia. <laughs> we've mentioned in the past that Red Sonia has had kind of a renaissance in being thrown against different things you know we had red sonia and the superpowers red sonia versus mars attacks uh dynamite i think we talked about on the show uh red sonia age of chaos we both really really enjoyed and this is all like red sonia miniseries where red sonia is killing red sonia mm -hmm. uh was a red sonia story told not from the perspective of red sonia but for the most part, the core Red Sonia stuff has always just kind of felt, and this is not a commentary on the writers at all, um, it's always just kind of felt meh. I'm not surprised. Or, or it's always kind of felt like they're, even back when, the last time I read just like core Red Sonia was Red Sonia number one when they brought Red Sonia into like modern day. Right. And that's the thing is it always feels like they're trying to put Red Sonia on a backdrop. Like, recently, it feels like Dynamite's just like, look, it's Red Sonia and Vampirella. Or it's Red Sonia and Vampirella meets Betty and Veronica. Or it's yeah. Red Sonia and Marv's Attacks. Like, Red Sonia just feels like she's constantly on a backdrop. Of Where can we put Red Sonia so that it's a and, weird experience? You know, Red Sonia can be a really fun character when handled by a solid writing team. Gail Simone's Red Sonia run was fantastic. Gail's awesome. highly worth reading. Uh... And here we have, incoming this week, Red Sonia, or Invincible Red Sonia number one, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda, Amanda Connor, Connor. With art by Moritat. A great creative team. Excellent. Beautiful art that fits the kind of like gonzo <laughs> tongue-in-cheek kind of pulpy feel that Red Sonia drips. Palmiotti and Connor <laughs> do a really good job of capturing that pulpiness and that kind of Conan-esque yep. without making it too old-fashioned to like drive people away. Uh, but basically it opens uh, in media res with Red Sonia trapped in some kind of deal with a wizard. And then we flash back to see the beginnings of what got her into that position. <laughs> T, how'd you feel about this one? I loved it. I was not at all surprised that this one was awesome because the minute... Not to be that guy, but the minute I saw Amanda Connor's name on it, I was like, oh, she gonna get it. <laughs> she gonna understand. Because this is her type of character. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's able to bring, like, the fun whimsy to Red Sonia, you know? Yeah. And I think that's super fun. I, you know, it's cool, too, because this book, like, 
brings in another main female character. Do you know how often Red Sonja gets paired with other female characters? If they don't have their own titles, it's never. <laughs> if it's yeah. not, if it's not like Vampirella or like another dynamite staple, it ain't happening. Yeah. She's always with dudes. It's just how it is. But this one literally is like, hey, we just made a character and she's cool. Yeah. And she's gonna they're gonna hang out. I'll be perfectly like, real. I didn't know it was uh, Palmione and Connor when I picked this one up. I didn't even know who's doing the art inside. The main reason I picked this one up is for the cover C. <laughs> this one has, in my opinion, one of the most gorgeous comic covers that has come out in a long, long time. That's cool. I don't know who this Selena artist is. I'm going to look them up and figure it out, but it's C-E-L-I-N-A. Is the okay. Uh, and it's just gorgeous man it is like, a beautiful a cover cover uh so i was like eh, you know i'll give this a try and worst case scenario i've got this beautiful cover that i can do something with and it ended up being fantastic it ended up being a really cool story <laughs> they you know have just enough of the edge and like old-fashioned like i said pulpiness like yeah you know, pirates offhandedly joking about sexual assault and stuff like that <laughs> but they don't they they modernize it enough to like not let that be the focus or not it let let it be so old-fashioned like you know that it red feels Sonya, cringy or anything yeah, red sonia still has you know her nobility and stuff like that and she's not just like a cold harsh conan character you yeah know? uh but she still is basically just in it for the money mm -hmm. and for fighting and not to not to be that guy but there's like discussion of sexual assault and then they're there, there's some impending demise for some characters that uh, it's very fitting. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. throwing that out there. Come, come up and see. there's called karma, uh, and it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy good. Like it's it's just a really exciting. It's just fun. Kind of refreshing. Red Sony book. It's yeah, just, it's just action and things getting cut into pieces and. Like some slight sexiness, and that isn't like overdone or like over, you know, overly focused on. Um, exploitive or gratuitous, I think were the words I was looking at. And uh, yeah, it's 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 good. It's, my favorite, my favorite depictions of Red Sonia, are when she can be summarized by two words, and that's the exasperated warrior. I love when they put Red Sonia in a scenario and. She looks around and everything always starts with just. <sighs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's just, how every good mission. Of she's just starts. hung over and tired. Just. That's it. <sighs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> she's the millennial warrior. It's true. Uh, but yeah, this one was really cool. If you've never touched a Red Sonya or a Vampirella book, if you've always kind of shied away from the dynamite stuff because you think it's just cheesecake. Uh, this one actually is more than cheesecake. Yeah, this it's is really like fun. A cheesecake with a nice, like, fruit puree to go with it. <laughs> it's like one of those desserts that's like still dessert, but it's got enough fruit on it that if you eat the fruit first, you're like, man, look at how healthy I'm being. Anyway, time to dive into this curd. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, those raisins were delicious. I guess I'll eat the bed of bread pudding they were sitting in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And you're like, woo, I'm so healthy. Anyway, <laughs> ice cream up. sandwich time. <laughs> you know? So glad I had that arugula salad. Let's get some ice cream cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when you eat the seasonal vegetables before the steak. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, but yeah, it, this was cool. It was a cool book. It was very I, good. I never expected to really like, I don't have much to say about the story because the story's pretty like straightforward initially and I don't want to spoil any beats. Uh, but it's nice. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not overly complex, but leaves enough room for reveals and things like that, that it's yeah. compelling enough to pull me into the next issue. So yeah, it did a really good job of setting up, um, long-term expectations yeah and hey red sony movie just got cast right yes very excited so, it's awesome uh you know if you want to start figuring out what this character is all about check it out also yeah. check out gail simone's run uh absolutely and get kind of a feel for the character before she hits the big screen that's right so that's gonna do it for us today that is all yes and you didn't even have to suffer through any morse code yeah, well, or any binary what we're gonna do uh thought about it while we do the episode is we'll uh so we'll stop here and then we're gonna release simultaneous episodes so we'll have a morse code episode and, and a binary we'll have a binary episode so buckle in t we're gonna be recording for a few hours uh but you know what when you if you want to find if you're listening to this one and you want to find all the rest of the versions of this uh in binary and uh, morse code and klingon and uh american sign language um, then you can just find those at coverbpodcast.com. Can we be like normal millennials and just buy him a gift card? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> you no can also man's gift card it is. <laughs> you can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yeah, true. And there's lots of cool stuff going up on all those things. Yeah, true. So definitely check us out. Anyway, we will be back. We'll have another. We have. Okay. I got to say. We have a very, very, very exciting episode coming out on Wednesday. Okay. I'm not going to reveal what it is yet. Oh, yeah. We do. But we have the coolest episode coming out on Wednesday. It's super cool. It's super exciting. I'm going to announce it probably on Monday. Be prepared for like the coolest episode on Wednesday. Okay. Are you ready? This is your teaser. I'll give you a little hint. It's not in Morse code. That's true. So that should automatically keep you motivated. Uh, but it's going to be great. So come back on Wednesday yep. and listen to the amazing episode that's going to drop. Yep. And until then, we will see you on the next episode of oh, Cover B. Oh, I should harmonize. Too late. Oh. Bye, guys. Bye.